Welcome to Bravo Happy Hour. I'm your host, Megan O'Donnell. Grab yourself a drink and join me while I break down the week in Bravo TV news. Welcome to Bravo Happy Hour. I'm your host, Megan O'Donnell, and today's bonus episode is a, is a book club moment going through Bethany Frankel's third book, A Place of Yes. This episode is blessed with the presence of Ali Hoff Kosick. Ali is a freelance writer, editor, and content manager based in Philadelphia. She has written for Marie Claire, Cosmo, Real Simple, Hello Giggles, Refinery 29, The Kitchen, and more. Ali is also a producer and host of the nostalgic, book-focused, feministy podcast, The SSR Podcast, which is what makes her the perfect guest on this book club episode of Bravo Happy Hour. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be here. So we were just talking about uh, Bravo as like a guilty pleasure before this. So your show is a little bit of more highbrow than this one, um, considering <laughs> we exclusively talk about Bravo, but let us know a little bit more about what your show's about. Well, first of all, I think you might have the right idea because sometimes I'm like, maybe I should just talk about Bravo. Like maybe <laughs> that's really what I'm called to do in the podcasting space. So my show is called the SSR Podcast and sort of officially that stands for a silent sustained reading. And I don't know if you had that, but that was like an official like period when I was in elementary school when you could like read quietly. And for me, it was the dream. Um, but secretly, <laughs> or at this point, not so secretly, SSR actually stands for shit she read. Um, and every week on the show, my guests and I talk about a book from like our middle or high school days. So everything from Nancy Drew and the Babysitter's Club to more assigned reading kinds of books like Little Women and Animal Farm and everything in between. Um, and we kind of look at it from a 2020 perspective, decide if it's totally let us down or if it maybe holds up. Often it's also somewhere in between. <laughs> and um, it's a whole lot of fun. Well, I'm guessing you guys haven't done any Bravo books on the on the docket yet. <laughs> Unless you're reading these books in high school, which would be a little problematic. I really want to know if there are girls or boys reading these in high school because I need to talk to them, um, especially after this situation of reading Bethany's book, where <laughs> I have to admit the second time. Um, yeah, I need to talk to those teens. Yeah, so we were saying before this, this is my second time as well. I, yeah, I definitely think I read it like, now that I'm thinking about it, I actually think I did read it in high school, which is terrifying. And at the time, no, actually, no, I can't remember when I read it. But regardless, I was definitely like young and impressionable and thought everything she said was like completely inspirational. Whereas now I read the first like 100 pages and it was so hard to get through because it's basically 350 pages of Pinterest quotes just like thrown into one big <laughs> book. Mm -hmm. But then I was like, okay, let me finish this up on an audiobook just to get it done with and so I could like take notes on my computer while listening and for someone who talks as fast as Bethany does this audiobook was 10 hours oh no so she, read I, it? she read the whole thing and I oh actually God. think I need a lobotomy because it was I mean it was horrible it was horrible. I mean I love her I like I'm gonna say up front full Bethany Stan still mourning the fact that she's not on Roni anymore she'll probably come back if we know anything about Bethany but right. um I don't know that I could listen to her talk for 10 hours in my ear that would probably be a stretch for me well I have a feeling she had like a vocal coach going through it with her like like any person does when they're getting a voiceover because yeah. she would say her sentences just like this and there Ugh. was no, and there were only different cadences in her voice when she did a Jill Zarin impression and then <laughs> a Countess Luan impression. But other than that, she never once broke the monotoned Bethany voice, which I'd never really heard before. And I mean, so this book is based on 10 principles that she believes that 
if you follow these 10 principles in your life, you will be happy, successful, et cetera, et cetera. Once I got to like uh, the eighth one, I was completely checked out. And I was like, okay, how many times can we say the same thing? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is a book by somebody who has read a lot of self-help um, and like, you know, no shade to people who read a lot of self-help, but I don't know that people who read a lot of self-help should necessarily write <laughs> self-help, if that makes sense. Because I do feel like a lot of these are ideas that were probably great coming from their original source, but coming from my girl, Bethany, who again, love her. Um, it just doesn't, it does not feel as genuine maybe <laughs> I don't know yeah especially at this point so at this rate she has done seasons one through three of the Royal Housewives of New York she has Bethany getting married question mark and Bethany ever after and I think about six months after this book was published her and Jason announced their divorce which then has been like I don't even think it's over yet like a very 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 long divorce so it's kind of hard to read a lot of this where she's like talking about having the best relationship ever and having this partner in life who has changed her and has opened her eyes to everything and how quickly that changed. Like it must be very difficult for her to even like look back on this book and think, oh my God, what the hell was I talking about? Did I even really know what I was saying? Or was I just kind of, you know, reading a script that like a publishing company gave her to basically write this book because they knew it would sell? Like that's kind of what I think this book really was. Yeah, I actually, I had a really hard time reading it because of the Jason stuff too. And because of the Bryn of it all, just because I I feel like, you know, Bryn has already been caught up in this terrible custody battle. You know, hopefully at least right now, she doesn't know too much of it, but someday she's going to know that all of these details were out there, that her parents were in the middle of this very public situation that was really hostile. Um, and the fact that like this book is out there that feels very... And I don't, I'm okay. So I'm a huge fan or I was a huge fan of Bethany getting married and Bethany ever after I actually bought both seasons and like had them on my iPad, um, like watched them on rainy days. Like, so a lot of the scenes that she talks about in this book, cause she does that a lot too, where she basically like just paraphrases scenes that we all already saw on her show. And it's like, if somebody's buying this book, they've already seen this, but anyway, I digress. Um, like it feels sort of like the book was sort of a marketing vehicle for her potential like continued spinoff because I would imagine that like had they not gotten divorced they would have had this show like for a few more seasons and so it sort of felt to me like the book was written to kind of promote that which is like a valid thing in the world um but the fact that their marriage obviously ended so soon after it was published and they went from this like very apparently loving relationship that she's detailed like really within an inch of its life in this book to six months later being in a vicious divorce it makes me sad and I feel like someday like that will be upsetting for Bryn and I love Bryn peanut peanut oh peanut. yeah <laughs> no that is that is all very very accurate so a place of yes is how about how to stop saying no and start saying yes to your own life she wrote in the intro that she has written this book three times and this was the third version that she got to so i want to say honey like let's go back to v1 and v2 like let's see what was in that because i find i have a feeling that that would probably be a little bit more truthful and she did have nuggets of passive aggression towards jason and jason's family which definitely were a lot of like and his family i believe was definitely a lot of the reason why they broke up of course like he probably 
I mean, they both had many, many issues, but I think yeah. his family being more of a quote unquote normal family definitely played a big role in why she kind of felt like she wasn't good enough for him and why they always kind of had these issues. And so these 10 rules will apply to everything in life, health, money, work, friends, family, love, eating, dieting, and anything else you struggle with, blah, 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 blah. And again, like we get, you get a little tidbits into a lot of different parts of her life and she's just very complicated based on her childhood, which I mean, we'll get into in part one, but <laughs> part, part one, one of 10 yeah part, no no 10 rules I'm sorry not I'm sorry the, 10 yes, rules 10 one. rules so the first one is breaking the chain which means recognizing the patterns that you're carrying forward in your life patterns that belong in your past and choosing to go a different way than those patterns that have been destructive to you in your past so she definitely opens up a lot about her mom in this whose name is Bernadette Burke I guess she was married four times and I didn't realize this, but Bethany was born on her mom's 20th birthday. Like, can you imagine being 20 years old and giving birth? No, I mean, I just turned 30 literally yesterday and I'm like, oh my gosh, I would have a 10 year old. That is, it's, it blows my mind. I can't imagine. I mean, I have a dog and that's sort of like enough for me right now. I've actually been rewatching Gilmore Girls when I'm not watching Bravo and you it's insane to think like at the beginning of Gilmore Girls Lorelai's 32 and Rory's 16 and I'm like what on earth and then I'm like doing the math the other day and I was like oh my god so my kid would be this I'm like oh my god oh my god fuck you just made me feel so old Lorelai was 32 32 <sighs> but also like oh I mean gosh. she she had like raised Rory in like a shed at the back of the inn so it's like yeah true that was I'm not, I'm not living in a shed so that's like <laughs> I guess that's good but that's a yeah huge I mean, <laughs> yeah so yay me 30 and not living in a shed again no shade to anybody who is because look you can turn into Lorelai Gilmore and that's great for you <laughs> um but break the chain was crazy because I was fascinated, like learning more about her childhood. And again, I do feel like because I was so deep in the Bethany world at this point, like I, um, I'm scrolling through all the notes. I like highlighted way more than I should have. I was. I have eight pages of notes. It's embarrassing. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sort of, I'm like, I don't even know if these are going to be useful because there's just so many of them as I'm scrolling, but it is, I mean, it's interesting to like hear more about where she came from. And I, I'm definitely an, like a Bethany apologist. So I, don't feel like we should have to explain a lot of her behaviors, but I can see how people who are not Bethany apologists could read this and like maybe understand a little bit more about why she is the way she is. Cause I mean, it, it is crazy. Her mom sounds like she was really hard to live with and she definitely has some like dad stuff going on. And I mean, so many of us do. Um, so I, I, but I, I did like to sort of get in her head a little bit more. Um, but I do wish like, I mean, I have a lot of sort of notes for like improvements in this book should she ever decide to go back and you know <laughs> give her another shot <laughs> which I don't notes? think she will <laughs> yeah she would really have to like slash all of it to do with Jason but like I just wish the rules themselves had like more creative phrasing like break the chain not not revolutionary girlfriend I'm sorry it's just not you can do better you are a branding whiz like you took Sonia to task on branding. <laughs> so why are these rules not more creative? I know you can do it. I completely agree. And I even felt like a lot of the names of the sections, like some are act on it. Everything's right. your business. All roads lead to Rome. Like why is the title of right. all roads lead to Rome all about becoming a chef and going on Martha Stewart's apprentice? Like it right. could, it didn't really make sense to me. And as I was trying to organize it, I was like, well, 
how how are those rules or just kind of like chapter titles right like all roads lead to becoming a chef would have been better yes but I mean kind of dumb but better (laughs) no such thing well yeah I guess this was kind of like pre-Bethany being like a branding maven too you know because even like when she came back and Heather Thompson was like yeah I have a very successful business and Bethany's like well I'm going to tell you all the reasons why it's not successful and it could be more successful and Heather's like okay I certainly did not ask like I I'm no Sonia you can't talk to me like I'm Sonia that is not how this works Megan, Bethany had a really hard childhood, okay? So, <laughs> that explains it all. Well, now, Maybe like, you should read the book again and be reminded <laughs> of, like, how hard it was. Well, I, I told you I was an apologist. I'm going to continue. <laughs> like, you cannot throw me off my apologist game. But, okay, so yeah, her childhood was really rocky. She was moving all over the country with her mom and the dad. Her mom was drinking a lot, definitely had trouble with drugs that they kind of, like, peppered through they grew up on the racetrack, which is like full of like booze and gambling and young women and debauchery. So that's like the backdrop backdrop of Bethany's childhood, which is definitely not really like, you know, stable, like children kind of need like no routine. She definitely moved around from her mom's house to her dad's house. At one point she was living there when she was four years old and she just was living with the dad in California. The mom wanted to leave. And so she up and left left her with the dad and the dad spent most of the time at the track and would leave her with like 19 year olds that he was sleeping with. And there was like one story where she was like, this girl forced an avocado into my mouth and now I've never eaten an avocado for years. Like, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> That's dark. I mean, it's really dark, dark. In the age of guacamole and avocado toast. I do vaguely remember her making like a gorgeous Cobb salad. I think when they were in like, was it Turks and Caicos or was Mexico oh it was when Luann did don't be all uncool because there was that afternoon Uh, where like Sonia and Ramona wanted to like go party and it was like the day that Bethany was like making lunch for everybody and they're like let's just go out for lunch as she's chopping all of the food to make lunch she's like I but I'm a chef I'm a chef and then it comes are you a cook or are you a chef it always comes back to that (laughs) oh my I forgot about are you a cook you're a cook not a chef and it's creepy you're creepy you're creepy how do you forget that I mean scary island come on like the highest point of all the high points I mean I think the last few it's crazy because New York has so many cash trips that are just completely explosive whether it's like Cartagena like anytime they've been to Mexico even like this season where they just went to like Providence Rhode Island like there was a ravioli thrown (laughs) at the dinner table like we overlook that (laughs) and that's why we love them It's so true. But Bernadette, her mom, definitely had like eating issues as well. She said her mom was like addicted to taking laxatives. And one time she took Bethany on a Euro trip when she was 13, which like very chic. So the two of them were like out and about playing in Europe. And I guess Bethany at that point, you know, is 13. So she's cognizant of what her mom is doing. And at a certain point, you become aware like, oh, mom's not eating. And mom goes to the bathroom for 45 minutes after dinner. Like, I wonder what's going on. So I guess she became like really uh, like she just like was being like really on top of her mom and following her. And I guess the mom like said she ruined the vacation because, you know, she couldn't do whatever she needed to do in the bathroom after dinner. And I think that definitely has, you know, a lot of what you see your mom doing then is carried on to you. And not all the time, of course, but especially when it comes to food. And she said like her mom's dad used to make comments to her like, 
um, women should just obviously like be in the home and cater to their men and like have to be beautiful and have to be thin and have to be this. And so I think that trickled down from Bethany's mom, like Bethany's grandpa, I guess, who I don't think she ever knew, but you know, it, that explains a lot of, you know, her work and becoming like a national food chef and, you know, really relying on food for her brand. And then obviously like creating like a mega brand called skinny girl, which like, you know, um, (laughs) problematic central but yeah. also so much money yeah exactly well and then I think we see in later seasons of Jules who came on and was like very open about having an eating disorder and was obviously still struggling with an eating disorder and like eating disorders don't like go away overnight like just because you could have had help for it and you got out of being in like a really bad place doesn't mean you can't easily slip back into you know disordered eating so I think when Jules came on the scene Bethany was like, oh my God, finally, I have someone who I can kind of project my food issues onto because she's literally baking cutlery into a calzone. Like that's, right. that's like a very, very outward way of showing having eating issues. Whereas Bethany's like a little bit more DL and does like cook really healthy food and does make like gluten-free vegan XYZ muffins. Like no fun in those muffins. I would not want to want no to try fun. no fun muffins. Although, I mean, what she and Brandon appear to be eating in their Instagram stories, I mean, it seems like they have a lot of fun with food. And it, it feels like, I mean, as, as messed up as her mom's relationship with food was, she also credits her mom with sort of like giving her an appreciation for food, which I think is yeah. like our relationships with like our family when we're growing up can be great and also fucked up and difficult. And I, I think that like as much as I feel like the title of this section or, or this rule itself, Breaking the Chain, is so cliche, like I think there's like something here like of all of the rules I think maybe this is one of the most like resonant or relatable ones because even if you have a fantastic childhood and like the best parents and no drama I mean as you grow up like you kind of have to figure out what parts of those memories or those routines that you grew up with you want to continue into your own life and which ones you want to sort of like rewrite and so um I do think that like she's hitting on something that a lot of people can relate to for her, there's a lot of stuff tied up in food. And I think that she thinks, at, I mean, I think now maybe she's more over it because this is now written like 10, 11 years ago. But I do sort of feel like she was writing this at a time in her life when maybe she wasn't really like as recovered as she maybe thought she was because it's it's still like in every single page of this book. And that mm-hmm. kind of makes me sad. Like as somebody who's dealt with like disordered eating on and off throughout her life, like I'm like, it makes me sad that like you wrote this book at a time when you felt like you were like totally through it and had conquered it. And yet, like as a reader, it's so painfully obvious to me that like you're struggling and that's, that's sad. And as you said, it never quite goes away, but um, I don't know. I, I feel like she's putting up a pretty, she's, she's talking a big game about food in this book and I'm not personally buying it. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. And I think her weight also kind of like ebbs and flows. Like you see her in a bathing suit all the time on the show and like, sometimes it's like a little bit bony where you're like honey what and I remember like right after when Dennis passed away the photos of her were just so gaunt and thin and brittle and obviously like you know people cope with death and loss and trauma in a million different ways but food can definitely be something that she uses as like um or I guess lack of food as a coping mechanism but yeah Yeah, so she talks about her father, Robert Frankel, who was her birth father. He was also a horse trainer. He was Jewish, and Bethany's mom converted to be with him, and she said that her grandfather made such a disgusting comment saying, if you marry this Jewish man, 
you need to address how your children are going to look. And I was like, that is so disgusting. Like what kind of father would say that to their daughter? Jesus. Good for the daughter for being like, fuck you. I'm going to still be with him and still have a beautiful child and convert. Fuck you. Right. Well, I mean, at some point Bethany does, I think it's earlier, but she talks about the fact that like she, she recognizes that even with her complicated feelings toward her mom, she can see that she like sort of got some really great qualities from her, her ability to speak out, her ability Mm -hmm. to like know her own mind, her hard work ethic. Like, and I think moments like that, as, as hard as it is to think about a child like Bethany, like being raised in this really inconsistent, um, just sort of all over the place sort of way, it seems like her mom had some moments of like kind of sticking it to whoever was giving her a hard time and just like forging ahead. Yeah. And she also said like her mom was like a total people person and was able to like go into any room and make people laugh. And, you know, people were really attracted to her, which obviously is a quality that Bethany has too. And so, yeah, they're definitely, there's good with the bad, but I think even like, as you become an adult, you hope, at least I hope like, you know, you, you kind of get over some of the issues of your childhood and slowly, but surely. And it's unfortunate because both of her parents seem to take no responsibility for the pain that they put her through. And of course, like they were so, the mom was so young, didn't know what she was doing, was all over the place, was relying on these men who were shady characters and, you know, all over the place and not reliable, but still like at a certain point, like as a mom, you could say like, hey, I know I really hurt you and that's okay. But when she got famous, her mom spoke to some tabloids and sold all these pictures, these baby pictures of Bethany and was like, I don't know why she keeps talking about her childhood. It wasn't that bad. She needs to get over it. She's exaggerating. Even that is like, so not only did you sell pictures of me, like you've gained, you, <laughs> you're now banking off of my success, but you can't even call me to say, you know, I'm sorry that those things might have hurt you or maybe this is why I did x y and z like it didn't seem like there was ever any acknowledgement of the pain that she put Bethany through no and there was I remember there being a storyline on Bethany ever after maybe where she was deciding whether or not to call her mom after Bryn was born and you could just tell how torturous the relationship was like she just you there's just some deep wounds where like she was still looking for her mom's approval and like still wanted to share this very special moment with her mom but like knew that she wouldn't actually show up in an authentic way um and it it was clear again in moments like that that like yes this is a grown woman who is not recovered from from things that she's been through as a kid and and it it's interesting having seen like those moments sort of very top level on the show to then read the detailed stories. And then, you know, the whole situation with her dad when he passed away, which we sort of saw on Roni as well when she mm-hmm. went to to see him. Um, it is interesting, sort of if you can read through like the really annoying self-help language, <laughs> there are tidbits here that if you are like a longtime fan of the show and you are an, a Bethany apologist like me, it's it's interesting to like gain those insights and get like the real stories behind them. Yeah, absolutely. And it's kind of, fun being able to do that a little bit and Bethany is some she's she gives us a little bit of information you know she's not like super withholding like I don't know if you watch Beverly Hills Housewives but I have never had any interest in reading Erica Jane's book because I find her to be so cold and unwilling to open up on the show where you have to think oh my god like what is this book going to be about like if you can't even use your platform you already have 
and now I'm supposed to read a book where Bethany, like always on the show was very, very open about having a screwed up childhood, having all these issues going through, you know, a lot of trials and tribulations to figure out her success. And so that is kind of why I was excited to reread this book. But yeah, again, like reading this in like college or high school, whenever I first read it, I was like, she is a warrior. She is amazing. She's the best <laughs> life ever. And she's my idol. And now I'm like, well, all right. Um, might read You're like, that. I too, I too am coming from a place of yes. <laughs> yes. I'm like, I followed these 10 rules for the past 10 years of my life. And that is why I have a podcast. So look at you. You did it. You said yes. And now you're here. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> I'm so happy for you. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> So in the break of chain, she then just kind of ends the chapter talking about her stepfather, John Paracella, who was also a horse trainer. The mom met him on the East Coast and Bethany ended up moving to Queens to live with the two of them. And he was equally as like unstable and all over the place and just unreliable party animal. But he really loved her. And so she always says like she considered him her father. And at one mm-hmm. point she changed her last name to Paracella, but then she went back to Frankel. And then like when the stepdad and the mom ended up breaking up again. She was even more alone because I guess the real father wouldn't talk to her. The stepfather wouldn't talk to her and she had no relationship with her mother. So at that point, it's like, she really had, she really had nobody. Yeah. It's super sad. I mean, it's, it's really upsetting and it does make you wonder too about how the whole custody battle went down. And again, like feels weird to speculate on this, but I feel like she has such an understandably and understandably so she has this very interesting relationship with the child version of herself who she clearly started to associate with Bryn when Bryn was born like there's a lot in this book about like I couldn't understand how my parents did this to me as soon as I had Bryn because I looked at her as a baby and I was like I too was once a baby and then they treated me in all these crazy ways. And so I think that she really has like projected a lot of her stuff onto her daughter, which, oh, girlfriend, Bryn. I mean, I do think that this is a natural thing. I don't think it's just Bethany. I think this is like the nature of family relationships, which is why we're all constantly works in progress. But um, it seems to sort of be an extreme version here. And I do wonder how much of that fueled her rage and sort of maybe the ongoing nature of the custody battle like who knows what went on behind closed doors but just because her life was so wild and unpredictable when she was a kid like I wonder how much of the fight with Jason was about trying to like reclaim something for Bryn definitely I mean I think even getting the divorce probably was really difficult for her because Mm -hmm. she was like breaking up this nuclear family and kind of not necessarily falling into the same patterns as her parents because obviously like Bethany's a stable human being and like loves her daughter and has given her a beautiful life as has Jason but it seems like she definitely was like fighting tooth and nail and I think it got to a certain point where like it got so litigious between the two of them based on the type of lifestyles they wanted Bryn to live like to be honest like my cousins go to school with Bryn and so like I've seen Jason there like multiple times I've met his parents like the parents are always there like I can oh my gosh imagine that 
I saw Bethany once, which is like very, very cool. <gasps> I was like, ah! was she wearing a sweatsuit. Was she wearing like one of her like matching sweatsuits? And she did was you have the dogs? Wearing, oh. she, no dogs. It was in, indoors. Okay. She was wearing like, okay, yeah, now what? I'm like, gonna buy the outfit. <laughs> <laughs> She's wearing black skinny jeans, like a okay. black wedged sneaker, which I was like, I On wasn't brand. gonna, I wasn't gonna buy a pair, but rethinking that. And right. then she was wearing a gray sweater and then like a black kind of like I don't know it's not like a bomber jacket but it's kind of like you know like the motorcycle jackets with like the shearling mm-hmm. fleece on the inside and that was oh, black yeah. it was very okay. cute she looks very very good I mean she pretty much always does yeah. even when she says she looks bad okay so <laughs> I I hear all that the um Jason is actually from a town like not super far from where I grew up and so one of the things that I actually really enjoyed about like watching their dynamic was I feel like I sort of got him in a way, like his parents were like very recognizable to me just (laughs) as like old people who like lived near where I lived when I was a kid and like their sensibilities, while I don't agree with them necessarily, like were very familiar to me. And so I sort of loved the humor, especially as somebody who had like moved to New York from that place. Um, I sort of loved the humor of like watching them bounce off of each other because they were so different. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that just was never meant to be. I don't have a point there other than the fact <laughs> that I was fascinated by the hoppies. And um, also, I never had a Bethany sighting. I never had a Jason sighting. And this is a deep cut. Like, I don't know that. Ooh. Maybe you'll know this. So did you watch Bethany Getting Married and Bethany Ever After? I haven't watched it since it originally aired. Okay. That's okay. But do you remember? <laughs> so she hired that assistant, Max, who was terrible. Was he the hot one or like the scruffy yeah. guy? He was hot. Oh yeah, I but like the hot one. He was like pretty. I saw him once in New York, and that was the closest I've ever gotten to Bethany. And he looked like rough. I'm pretty sure that they had like a bad parting. Like I think he, I don't quite remember, but I feel like he really fucked some stuff up, and it didn't end well. And I saw him, and he looked so messy. And I had this whole narrative in my head about like, wow, like <laughs> things have really fallen apart for him since he disappointed Bethany. But anyway, that was a very long digression, and I had to share it with somebody who would care. Probably well, life, else. life after Bethany is, it's really ugly. Yeah, it is. Lose, it really is. I hope Julie's her. okay. Wherever Julie is. her She has like a sister. family and kids. I feel like she got completely, I've like followed her. I saw her, I saw she was a guest on somebody's podcast. So then I followed her and she just has like a normal life. I feel like wow. she was like, I don't need any of this mess in my life. Mm. But when I was reading this book, I did find out that Julie is Bryn's godmother, which like, is sweet in one way, but also like deeply sad where it's like, you have no one else in your life that you decided to make your assistant who is no longer your assistant and probably not in your life anymore. Your child's godmother. I just thought that was strange. Well, also speaking of that, and I, this, I don't think we're now in like the proper chronology of the book. I'm sorry. I'm totally. Oh yeah. No, we're jumping around, but we are moving into find your truth, which is all about dating. So this is perfect. Again, like find your truth. Why is your truth about dating? Her truth is about dating and men. Um, But I also, on the point of Julie and Julie being her godmother, I wanted to make sure I mentioned the scene with Gina, the baby nurse and the baptism and how I read this totally different now in 2020. And and again, having watched the scene like on TV more times than I would like to admit as the proud (laughs) owner at one time of these seasons. um, When I look back at that now and I remember being very like, 
very concerned and sort of very on Bethany's side about that because yeah like these strange people that you don't know are taking your baby and it's this religious ceremony and it makes you very uncomfortable like valid yes but in hindsight at least the way I can visualize it from having seen the show it's like a very racial thing um, which is not really mentioned in the book and I thought that was sort of interesting that she talks around the fact that Gina was black and they went to a black church and they were the only white people at the church when this happened and I think with all of the conversations that we're having in 2020 and the ways that we're trying to be a little bit more direct and like take on these conversations head on and just sort of like call call out the bullshit when we see it. Like this is a situation where Bethany is like not saying that like she felt uncomfortable in a room full of black people. And like, that's sort of the end of the story. So that for me was like an interesting nugget and like a, a, an interesting like personal evolution maybe in coming back to this book a couple of years after I both read it and then a couple of years after I watched the scene actually play out on TV. Completely. And I think so many white people really never consider themselves in situ or find themselves in situations with predominantly black people. And then, yeah, all of a sudden the woman who basically is raising your child is now a threat to you. And like her other parishioners are like gonna harm your child when it's like, no, this was like a beautiful thing that Gina wanted to do for the family. And also Jason is a Catholic and goes to church every Sunday and they said which actually by the way this is in perfectly chronological order thank you very much in oh, your truth. <laughs> but the mom Jason's family goes to church every day so it's not like he's unfamiliar with you know the rituals of going to a church and they're like oh shit they're gonna baptize her it's like Bethany no one's baptizing your child without you knowing like I, I wouldn't worry about that and even like put some water on the baby's head like it, it's not like written in stone that your kid's baptized like I I think you're okay but yeah it was it was definitely a weird scene to read now most definitely so in this section she an- initially says you know Jason doesn't want to hear about this so skip over this part which I have a sick feeling Jason did not read this book I hope he didn't I hope well it could have been the catalyst for a lot of like his (laughs) desires to get the hell out because she was very passive aggressive towards him and his family and his ideas of family and his career even the way she was talking about like his money situation towards later chapters I just had like come on honey like he is your man like obviously you make a lot of money and you don't think he is very well aware that he doesn't provide for the family in the exact same way as you and like some men are incredibly insecure a lot of men are very insecure about that so you don't need to keep reminding us that you know you're the main breadwinner in this family right you're rich it's great like but the whole thing about like um one of their first dates she told this story about how he she she wanted him to pay for the cab and he didn't because he like knew I guess that she had a lot of money. It just felt super weird. It was, it was felt like she wanted to, I feel like I'm getting away from my apologist standpoint here, which is making me a little uncomfortable, <laughs> but it felt like she wanted to make it clear that readers knew that like she made a lot of money and like that was an important part of the story, but also that like she, I don't know, it felt like she just was playing it on all kinds of directions. Like she wanted us to know that she made a lot of money. She wanted us to know that she wanted to be treated like a lady. She wanted us to know that she also was like a feminist and open to having the conversation about it. Um, it was just weird. And, and I would imagine that like their financial, um, the difference in their financial situations did not help even before the nasty divorce. Like I'm sure that that played a big role in why things didn't work out. And you can see it in this book because it's just very awkward. 
Absolutely. And like in later chapters, they end up talking about how she's like, at this point, Jason is so involved in our business. I'm going to get him involved in contracting and accounting for my company. And I'm like, oh, so you're going to put him even further into involvement in your money. Like, no. And why do you think he like, you know, raked you over the coals during your <laughs> divorce? Cause he was like, well, I know how much she's making. I've negotiated some of those contracts. So let's make this real hard for you, which obviously is not a admirable thing for a man to do, but I don't know. I think they must've been really petty. And we see Bethany on this show, like she can get so mean, so heated off of basically nothing. Generally, most of the time, like not even provoked. And I can't imagine having to deal with that kind of, you know, attitude during a divorce proceedings and having a baby and being on television yeah. and being in a limelight. Like, obviously, you know, you can't point blame, you can't point your finger at anybody in a relationship. Like, oh, you're the reason for the divorce. But I can imagine it, it was it was ugly in that house for a very long time. It all just happened very fast between the two of them too. Like, I think that was sort of how I remember feeling watching the yeah. show. It just was very quick. And so they had a lot to catch up on. Like, I remember, I think they talked about openly, like we're getting to know each other, like as we are like starting a family. And that's a, that's a really big thing for anybody to do, especially if like you said, you have all these other pressures, you're in the public eye, there's money involved, like forget it. Like that sounds really hard. (laughs) Well, yeah, they were like dating. She gets pregnant. They get married really quickly, which I can even imagine that being like his family pressuring him, like, okay, you need to get married to this woman. Like she's going to be your wife. Like let's do it the proper way and and yet they never really liked her like they were pushing him to do that but like they clearly never liked her so he must have been in a bad it's just it was bad it was bad and that's what makes it so hard to read this book because it feels like she was trying to make it all okay and I do think that's our tendency sometimes as women anyway like how do I fix this how do I make the optics of it okay like how do I present it in a better light how do I make it okay for everyone else and it does feel like that's sort of what's going on in the book And I wonder if there was some like subconscious effort there to like make it all happy. But like even Bethany trying to do like uh, a make good in a book, like still kind of comes off as aggressive. It's like, oh, you tried, but uh, but I guess, yeah. So when she was 26, she ended up marrying a guy named Peter. They were married for a little bit of time. He was really loaded. So she ended up quitting her job her dream of being an actress gets a day job at an event planning firm. And then after some time of being with him, she realized she was not sexually attracted to him, which yeah, like is the nail in the coffin. And then she said from there, when she started realizing that she wasn't attracted to him, she didn't want to be married to him. That's when she first acknowledged in the book of having some sort of eating disorder, which, mm-hmm. you know, then obviously you see in many different iterations throughout the book, but it kind of proved to her that a good man will love her and that she could find a man, she could be stable. And she made a lot of different points throughout this book saying, oh, you know, I wanted to get married before I was 30. That was so important to me. That's so important to me. You know, at the time, like I thought that was the only thing that mattered, getting married before 30. And then she's like, and then I did it. I get everything I want. And then I look back at my life and I'm like, wait, like I'm completely unfulfilled. I'm not following my dreams anymore. I'm playing this housewife role when that's not really serving me anything. And so she ends up getting out of that marriage and then immediately jumps into another relationship with Peter's family friend, Larry. And they got together right after the breakup and it was a huge scandal causing their families to not be friends anymore. And they're still not friends anymore. Drama. Drama. And like, in a way, like 
I think Bethany thrives on drama. I think she grew mm-hmm. up in chaos. And so by default, her natural inclination in relationships is probably to like throw a grenade and see what happens. Because I guess if things are like too stable, she's like, this is boring. This is not what I want. Like, this is not what I'm, this is not what I know. And that's a comfort, even if that comfort is, is chaos. And so, yeah, she dated Larry. They were super passionate. And then obviously that passion fizzled as it does. Womp, womp. And then from there, she dates Jimmy, who's her high school boyfriend. And he was based in Chicago. I guess he was really good on paper and not necessarily good for her. But he convinced her to leave Los Angeles, where she was working at the event planning firm, and moved to Chicago. And they moved, lived there together. And she realized she really wasn't happy, which is very Tinsley-esque, getting swept uh, away yes. to Chicago. Mm-hmm. Which, as I was thinking, I was like, hmm, I wonder if maybe that's why oh, Bethany yeah. was so like, well, why would he going to move to Chicago for this guy? <laughs> mm-hmm, it's like, oh, mm-hmm. speaking from experience. History repeats itself. <laughs> and so from there, she was like, okay, if we're going to be together, at least let's try to live in New York City together. They moved to New York City together. He absolutely hates it. She kind of says in the book that she orchestrated this move so that they would have an excuse to break up because he was like a good guy. He wasn't going to dump her, especially because they were like living together at that point. She had moved for him. So he was going to move for her. That obviously didn't work out. But when she was in Chicago, she caught Cookie the dog. So she said that relationship was definitely worth it because she got Cookie to boo-boo. Rest in peace. R.I.P. I didn't see those like Instagram stories where she like literally filmed Cookie's death. Oh yeah, that was dark. That was that was not fun for anyone. Yeah, and she's like chronic influencer with like so many little dots on the top of her Instagram stories. Or it must have been <laughs> one of those days where I was like, "Fuck, Bethany, what are you doing? That could be so interesting." And I swiped, and then like two days later, it was like she did this on Instagram, and I'm like, my fucked up brain. Wish I saw it in real time just to like be a part of it. But then also I'm like, what the fuck is my problem? I go through phases with her Instagram story. Like I'll go like weeks and weeks, sometimes months and not watch any of them. And then like recently, I think it's since she started like showing Brynn and like showing their relationship more, I like can't get enough. Yeah, well, I guess after a certain point, maybe it was agreed upon that Bryn could be on social media with her because in the beginning she was just putting like emojis on her face, which felt really weird. Sad. I'm like, what are you gonna like? Your kid goes on your Instagram. She probably has access to all of this stuff and just was like, oh, look at me with a bow on my face. Like, great. That's yeah. That's me. There I am. I think it started <laughs> on her birthday. Like it seemed like maybe they yeah. had made a deal that she was like allowed to be on on her birthday and then maybe she like appealed it and it seems like it's sort of like always allowed now. Also on a certain level, like people could easily see her face through paparazzi photos, which like isn't as prevalent anymore. Obviously like we're stuck inside. So Brynn's like not going to school because they would always catch her like outside of school getting picked up, which right. poor little girl, she's just trying to leave school and she's like bombarded with paparazzi. Yeah, I mean, she also looks just like Jason anyway. So, like, do you really need to have a photo? Like, everybody knows who she is. Like, leave her alone. <laughs> yeah, we don't need that. So after she breaks up with Jimmy, she goes back with Larry. She was going to move to L.A. to be with him. She did move to L.A. to be with him. She obviously ends up dumping him again. And from there, she's single for three years. Moves back to New York. Thank God. 
and meets Kevin, who's a rock and roll photographer, who sounded really hot. Like I did, I Love couldn't him. find a photo of him, but I'm like, who is Kevin? He's a single dad. He is a rock and roll photographer. He took her to see Billy Joel play piano in the Roman Coliseum. I'm like, that place has concerts. <laughs> yeah, I'm like very amazing. into Kevin. Me like too. married, married, but very into Kevin also. Yes, I'm I'm definitely all about Kevin, but obviously they didn't end up together because he had kids before and she didn't really want to take the role of the stepmom and also knew she wanted to have her own children and he didn't want to have any more kids. So that was done. Wait, that's another Tinsley parallel. Interesting. Wasn't her most like before she went back to Scott, the like Bruce or whoever she was dating, like at the yeah, boxing Bruce. gym with Leah. Bruce, yeah. That was the thing that she kept saying was like he has there's too many other people competing for his attention maybe Bethany just like felt like Tinsley was her well I feel like Dorinda kind of feels like Tinsley is her you know I I think they all kind of looked at her and they're like wait 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 so you can have a very checkered past of like abuse and mugshots and still end up with like I don't want to say a great guy but like a decent man like who clearly loves you and you know is loaded and coupon cabin he's the coupon king I bet he's getting her tons of discounted diamonds and tool dresses he built her a closet, okay? So haters, just relax. Oh, I know. I think I am a hater because that's that's great. It's like very sex in the city. <laughs> <laughs> so from there, she goes into dating first Jason, who we see on the first season, I think, only the first yeah. season of Roni, where she's like, Jason, will you live with me? And he's like, no. And he also Major had grouch. Major like big grouch, grouch energy. Big grouch energy. <laughs> and he didn't want to be on the show. He told her basically, like, this isn't going to be good for you. You shouldn't use this show as your therapy. Like, this isn't good. Da, da, da. I don't want to be involved. So she should have realized at that point, like, if this guy can't even, like, smile on a dinner that you're making for him, like, he's not the one. If he's not saying thank you after dinner, hard. No, bye. Bye. And so from there, whatever, dates a lot of other randos and then meets the one, the only Jason Hoppy at age 39. They meet at a nightclub. And the first thing he says to her was, are you ready to get that stick out of your ass now? Hmm. So romance is not dead, people. There's a lot there. Like we we could go in on that. There's a lot going on under that pickup line, under the fact that she responded so well to it. Yeah. With AMC Plus, the plus doesn't just mean more. It means better. Available through the platforms you're already on. AMC Plus is a premium streaming bundle with the best of AMC, plus the complete collections of Shudder, Sundance Now, and IFC Films Unlimited. Get the latest from The Walking Dead with early access and exclusives. Binge acclaimed series like Mad Men, ad-free, and with new content dropping each week, like Gangs of London, a powerful drama about London's criminal underworld. There's always something fresh to check out. Sign up at amcplus.com, amcplus.com, AMC Plus, only the good stuff. For many of us, the holidays will look different this year. Family and friend reunions might not be the same, but that shouldn't stop us from feeling close. That's why I'm gifting my loved ones the most meaningful gift this year, a chance to tell their story and share memories using StoryWorth. 
StoryWorth is an online service that helps your loved ones share stories through thought-provoking questions about their memories and personal thoughts. It's a fun new way to engage with family, especially those you can't see in person this year. Around this time last year, I lost my grandfather and I felt this insane guilt that I didn't ask him enough questions about his love story with my grandma, his career, his immigration journey from Italy in the 1960s, and so much more. To honor his birthday this past year, I gifted my grandma a StoryWorth membership. Every week, StoryWorth emails her a different prompt with questions you'd never think to ask, like, if you were to do it over, what would you have done differently? Or when was your first kiss? You can customize your prompts to ask anything you'd like, so I obviously had to ask, who's your favorite grandkid? Just kidding. After one year, StoryWorth will compile all your stories, including photos, into a beautiful keepsake book that ships for free. I'm planning to order one for myself, my brothers, and my cousins so we can share our grandparents' story with our children someday. Give your loved ones the gift of spending time together wherever you live with StoryWorth. Get started right away with no shipping required by going to storyworth.com slash bravohh. You'll get $10 off your first purchase. That's storyworth.com slash bravohh for $10 off. If you are anything like me, you haven't bought a single gift for anybody this year, maybe other than yourself. (laughs) This will be an amazing gift for anybody who is looking for that last minute gift that doesn't involve shipping costs and will be something that you can pass down to your families for generations. That's storyworth.com slash bravohh for $10 off you guys and you get a deal look at that Mm -hmm. that that was weird where she was like and when he said that I knew he was the perfect man for me I'm like oh wow so verbally abusive from the jump yeah she's like get in my pants yeah (laughs) (laughs) get in my Hervé Leger dress (laughs) (laughs) get in this bandage dress now Oh my God. So yeah. So then obviously their relationship is like very fast and furiously happening, babies, wedding, all of that. She basically said, yeah, in this section, like financial independence was super important to her. And obviously that money plays a big role in relationships. And yeah, she was saying she like wanted him to pick up some of the tabs and she would pick up some of the tabs. And then when she would pick up the tab, he'd get upset or she'd get, it's like, well, you can also like be in a relationship, be a feminist, allow your partner to pay for you and then also be like, okay, hon, dinner on me. Okay, movies on me. Like there is a balance. Of course, like it's nice to be wined and dined in the beginning, but I don't know. I think it's like a little antiquated to assume like, oh, now this man has to pay for every single thing that we do together. Like that's a lot of money. It's expensive to date in New York. Yeah. I mean, I think that generally with her, she feels like she has to sort of declare herself at one extreme or another in kind of every case. Like she's all about sort of not to be a Lisa Rinna, but she's all about owning it, like in (laughs) in some extreme. So I feel like she either felt like she had to declare herself as like the badass businesswoman who was going to pay for everything, or she has to be somebody who is taking care of. Like, I I don't know that her mind necessarily works in shades of gray, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, And just reading this book gives you an idea of the fact that like she's very into declaring herself and like, I don't know. I think that that's very much a part of who she is. And maybe it's because she like didn't feel like she was seen or understood as a kid. But to me, it just felt like with the money and relationship stuff, it had to be super black and white. And she just like wasn't prepared to find a middle somewhere. And I think it was interesting because she also opened up in the beginning when she was talking about her mom, how her mom was always saying to her, you know, Bethany, you need to make your own money. You can't rely on a man. You can't rely on a man. And then she does make her own money. And then she's still like relying on a man for very, you know, basic things. And again, like I get the courting period. Even my mom would be like, you bought this guy. What? And I'm like, um, (laughs) 
two drinks each. Like, uh, right. I didn't break the bank. Like he bought a $250 dinner. Like I'm, I think I could pick up a $60 tab. Like if I'm having fun, if I don't like the guy, Bye. my money's not going anywhere near mm-hmm. that bill. No, thanks. <laughs> so then we move to rule three, act on it, which again is just a whole bunch of nothing. Taking positive control of your life and taking real tangible steps towards your goal. She basically talks about going to NYU, being a PA on Saved by the Bell, where she met Denise Richards, which I love any sort of other housewife being mentioned in, well, I guess I'd say past housewife. Former, yeah, a little crossover moment. Little crossover. She talks about life in Los Angeles, said her eating disorder got worse because casting agents were telling her she needed to lose more weight. From there, she was in a soap opera and had a topless scene. She said that was a super decision. And obviously Ramona ends up bringing it up to her at that one thing where she was like, you were <laughs> topless on a waterbed. <laughs> in the hand, like they weren't they like at a party when this car, yeah, they were in the Hamptons at a restaurant <laughs> or something. This all started. Classic Ramona. Classic, she is trash. She also talks about being a waitress at La Scala restaurant, which is like this bougie place in Los Angeles. And she ended up meeting Kathy Hilton there and ends up becoming her personal assistant, which is how she knows uh, Paris and Nikki Hilton, thus knowing Kyle Richards to bring it even more back to the Beverly Hills lady. Yeah, that's pretty much it on act on it. That's like, but even that, kind of lame. She did do one little section where it was like eating in college 101. Tons of young girls asked me. She's like a handful of nuts. Eat a burger with half of the bun, no cheese. Cut back on your portion size. Eat hummus with carrots. I'm like, oh my God. When I was in college, I was like having Ben and Jerry eating contests where I'd be like, okay, who can eat this pint faster? Like wait, I mean, I went to like basically an all girls college. There was like eight dudes there, but it was like (laughs) thinking about my weight was like the last thing until like, you know, like most girls. Yeah. Once I like started, like, I mean, I went to school in Manhattan. So it was like, once you start going clubbing and you're like, oh, whoa, like I was a nine out on Long Island growing up. <laughs> You're like, like, now I have to wear a bandage dress. What am I supposed to do? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, mom, should I get spanks? And she's like, You're 18. You don't have child. anything on your body. I'm like, well, I also attempt to go to clubs near models. I attempt to go. Did I try. <laughs> but but also Bethany's like tips are not that interesting. Again, like I'm not trying to come at her like Kelly and say that she's a cook because I do believe that she knows her stuff. But I this like section was so misplaced in this book, which just didn't make any sense. It made me like angry because I I was like, did was this her idea? Did one of her publicists suggest this? Who knows where this came from? And also I'm like, these are, tips are very basic for probably like your target demographic of readers, aka like women, many of whom are also dealing with their own weight stuff. Um the idea of eating carrots and hummus or a burger without a bun is like not new to them. So I was just like, this is not, this feels weird. I didn't like it at all. Yeah. Definitely not revolutionary diet tips. No. Definitely not. Also, I thought she wasn't into dieting anymore. Like you can't, I like that she says that these things are all like not dieting tips, but they are. And like, just call just, just say what it is, please. And like, it's okay to diet. Like, of course, if you're doing it within reason and you're being healthy, I don't know if you've been following the Teddy Mellencamp drama with like her whole big expose thing. I am so excited to talk about it on like my, this show has like bonus episodes, which is this, and then news episodes. And I'm recording the news one on Wednesday and I cannot wait to go all in on Teddy Mellencamp. 
Oh my gosh. I can't wait to listen. I have been, I have not been as into Beverly Hills lately since like last season's fiasco, but I am very interested in all things Teddy. Yeah. It should be definitely interesting how this pans out today. They were all saying she's going to be off the show. They're going to kick her off. And I'm like, Bravo is so weird with who they decide to kick off the show for wrongdoing. It's like, okay, so tons of people can be problematic for decades, but Teddy is just, you know, being an ignorant uh, anorexia pusher and she's got to go. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. They're all, they're also all ignorant anorexia pushers. Like (laughs) their money by being thin and hot. And like, I don't know. I think, I think people have had it out for for Teddy from the beginning. So I think that's really what's going on here. It's basically just a matter of time. I mean, she'll probably like bow out uh, herself at this point. Probably. So we move to the rule number four, which again is just doesn't make any sense. Everything's your business. So this is basically how she has found her way as an entrepreneur and talking about all the little odd jobs she had where she became super successful and how they all kind of created her, you know, business vision. She did go on one very long rant about the pashminas oh yes oh the pashmina yeah so princess pashmina was a <laughs> it sounds so funny when you say it out loud <laughs> <laughs> well are you kidding i like listened to this on the audiobook and she said it so many times I, I i was like i feel like i'm just listening to this on a loop like i never want to hear this phrase ever again <laughs> it's a funny phrase <laughs> so i guess she was on the internet and she saw a pashmina that she wanted that was like 500 dollars. she's like what the hell why can't i find a pashmina for cheaper so then she went on this website like alibaba.com and found 50 pashminas and bought them for 3400 dollars and thought okay i'm going to make this into like a side hustle business so Bethany, business mogul, ends up selling all of these pashminas, keeps ordering more of them, starts hosting pashmina parties. She's basically Mary Kay. She's going She's the to- the Tupperware lady yeah. of pashmina. <laughs> She's selling them in like Los Angeles, Japan, Paris, New York. And like pashminas can be purchased on the street of Manhattan for $4. Like you can get a pashmina everywhere. And so she said she like started the pashmina trend and now obviously you can find them all over but she's like before my princess pashmina you couldn't find a pashmina this side of the uh (laughs) like on this hemisphere like I've done this big thing and then she ends up taking all the money that she made on this business which she ends up putting it online she ends up investing all the money that she's made into some other company that a friend told her to invest in and she lost all her money. Oh no, not in pashminas. Also, I have never heard anybody use the pashmina, the word pashmina so many times outside of this book (laughs) that you, like you pulled it off so well. It's a hard, it's not like, it doesn't really roll off the tongue. No. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's like before this, I had to do like vocal practice and I was like, princess pashmina, princess pashmina, princess pashmina. Then we go to five, all roads lead to Rome. Dumb title, dumb. Dumb title. So this is talking- Bethany, but dumb. This is how, as long as you are working hard and working on your truth, then everything you want in life will eventually happen. So this is how she discovers that she wants to be a chef. So she quits the job, Jimmy is supporting her, moves to Chicago, then moves back to New York and ends up going to the Natural Gourmet Institute, which a friend of mine went to. And I actually took a knife skills class there. And that place was really great, but they unfortunately shut down. Oh, sad. So from there, she ended up working at like a vegan catering company. 
and then they shut down, but it kind of gave her the inspiration to start her own cookie line, cookie and muffin line with no wheat, egg, or dairy. Delicious. So good. There's nothing I'd want to eat more than a, any of, oof, no, 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 no. And even like I've tried to do like the gluten-free, dairy-free, you know, banana loaf or whatever. And right. every time I do it, I'm like, oh God, you know what this would taste great with? flour and eggs like that would make this cake so much better yeah I feel like you can eliminate like one of those items Mm -hmm. and it can be good but you can't do it all (laughs) yeah totally so at this point she was making about 400 cookies a day she was driving around in her little skinny girl car never forget and she was trying to sell them to bodegas all around the city trying to get them into stores and I will never forget that one scene I think it was season one where she was like this was actually no I guess she had the name Skinny Girl when she was doing it. I don't know if it was mm-hmm. called Skinny Girl then, but she was like in that empty grocery store and she was like, anyone want to try a muffin? No, no. You could hear a muffin drop in here. <laughs> like I'll never forget. Classic. <laughs> Classic. Classic. Yeah. And also the Skinny Girl car driving up to have drinks with Luann after they're falling out and yeah. they're like an empty bar in the Hamptons. And she looks so funny in that car. Luann was like, are you seriously driving this car and she's like yeah honey I'm a branding maven like this is yeah this is what you gotta do and she's honestly not wrong but it takes some guts yeah well now have. Luann has like rosary candles with her face on them so like she's really <laughs> in no position to yeah. I don't even know if that's are they called rosary candles that's what they seem they're, like yeah today. I think they're prayer candles I actually prayer own candles. one with Andy's face on it so I oh I'm a victim to to the cute Instagram uh, purchases. (laughs) I love it. So from there, she then goes into another really long story about selling a five-carat engagement ring. So in one of her engagements, a guy gave her a five-carat ring. And so she's like, okay, I'm going to try to sell this. She like, I guess, sells it on this website and ends up selling the ring to this person who like then doesn't pay her and whatever. She, this is like a, seven page arc where it's like literally no one asks or cares so she ends up like finding this guy to be this big scammer she goes and knocks on his door and finds the ring then she calls the cops the cops go because they were selling these rings in multiple states the fbi got involved and she ended up getting thirty thousand dollars for that ring eventually so not bad but i mean not bad and you know why that story is important megan (laughs) Because she made it her business, okay? Because all roads lead to Rome. And all roads lead to Rome. And all (laughs) roads lead to being rich and break the chain. chain. Well, this leads us perfectly into six. (laughs) Go for yours. (laughs) Go for yours. Go also, Megan, go go for yours. Go for yours. Seven is really good too. (laughs) Just teaser guys, separate from the pack. Which at least that one's a little bit better. But go Mm -hmm. for yours. (laughs) go for yours is all about her stint on martha stewart apprentice which i did find the episodes on youtube and i think i'm gonna have to do a recap on this show of the entire series because can i come back because i I, I watched a little bit and i was like i'm i might be committed this is kind of perfect i feel like every time you come on the show now it's just going to be like another deep dive into bethany and it's like we're gonna actually kind of become like experts i think I will be your Bethany correspondent. (laughs) Thank you. 
So she ends up getting a tip from someone at a restaurant that Martha Stewart is casting for the show. She does the whole casting process. She buys the most, you know, outfit, gets her hair done, does all the stuff, goes on tape, gets taped at like a trade fair selling her cardboard muffins. And they (laughs) really like her. They bring her in. Again, this was like when Trump was still like just a business mogul and not my president. Other so. <laughs> content that aged in a very interesting way, like super weird to read all of this stuff about Trump it's and so how weird. she like wanted to be on his show because she was so into him and like he was just a reality star. So yeah, initially it was like she was going to be trying to get onto The Apprentice and then she went through the whole process. They end up passing on her. And then a couple months later, they call her and they actually said, hey, you know, we were saving you for Martha Stewart's Apprentice that we had in like the you know pre-production phase and we want you to come back for that so she goes through all of the process to get involved in that again does the videos gets selected great and she was obviously so excited because she's like Martha Stewart is one of my you know icons and I look up to her especially in this space we do a lot of similar work and she basically said like the show was like torture for her she had to work constantly she thought she was like going to be Martha's successor but Martha like actually had just no interest in her and was like you don't fit in here like your vibe is very not Martha Stewart like pick up one issue of Martha Stewart living and nothing would like resonate with Bethany in my eyes and that's actually Mm -hmm. my third favorite magazine I still read magazines but I work for New York magazine so it's like it's my thing. I love magazines. Well, New York Magazine is my favorite magazine. I'm not just saying that because you work for New wow. York Magazine. Wow. I love, we love to hear it, you guys. Get uh, get yourself a uh, subscription. It's it's in- aggressively cheap online. Um, Support print journalism, everyone. Right. And they have the best crossword puzzles in the back. Oh my God. Seriously. I love their crossword puzzles so much. Uh, I can actually, it's like the perfect balance between like I can do it, but it still makes me feel like I'm challenged. That's exactly why I enjoy doing it because there's also like entertainment, little tidbits. Mm -hmm. There's things about traveling and food where sometimes I've tried to do the New York Times one and I'm just so reminded that like I did like really poorly on my SATs and I'm like, oh my God, like (laughs) I, I know nothing. Like I don't know a single thing, but New York Mags really is like, yeah, that that fine line between challenging and like I'm almost done with this this is cool (laughs) yeah totally well support journalism everyone please (laughs) speaking as two journalists (laughs) (laughs) so yeah so basically she didn't end up having a good time on Martha Stewart she didn't win but she was runner-up which I mean pretty great gotta give it gotta give her credit Mm-hmm. but yeah that happens and then we get to seven separate from the pack and this talks about her life as a real housewife which like thank god honey because p- nine and ten are so boring we have to wait until seven and eight to like get into a little bit of the info actually it's really just seven that i cared about which is all the, about, i thought like, the apprentice stuff was like interesting at least like it, i mean i like yeah. all the behind the scenes stuff but yes i mean we really got what we were looking for in <laughs> separate from the pack so she talks about how she went to a polo party in the Hamptons with Jason number one and there she saw Jill Zarin and this is when she does like the Zarin voice being like hey skinny how'd you get in the VIP area and then they obviously that's like what Jill is asking which is not surprising at all so Bethany then was talking with Jill and Jill was telling her about Manhattan Moms which was the name of Roni before Roni became a thing and 
she was talking about how she was filming it and Bobby actually ended up going over to the producers and saying, hey, you guys should talk to Bethany. They talked to Bethany, they really click. And obviously Bethany like wasn't married, wasn't engaged, didn't have any children, but you know, was on the other side of wanting to be a Manhattan mom. So I guess it kind of fit. And then by the time the show ended up getting fully greenlit, it ended up being the second installment of the Real Housewives franchise after OC. And she became a real housewife. And yeah, she wasn't a housewife either. But, you know, I kind of like that they kind of brought her on as like someone who wanted to be a housewife. It kind of was just definitely a juxtaposition between like Lou and and Jill and and Ramona. Oh, my God. And Alex. Oh, my God. (laughs) Alex. Well, and for some reason, I don't know why I decided to do this, but I am down like an RHOC rabbit hole currently, like watching the whole thing. So I'm on season, I want to say four um and they had kind of done that too like season one joe de la rosa these are deep cuts people oh, she I was on love. and these those seasons are so good like early oc is the best and um joe was on and she's not married and then gretchen you know they brought gretchen on so like this was a thing they were doing but i think there was something about bethany like she was way she was even more different um she sort of was like separating herself from the pack, dare I say, <laughs> more so than maybe like a Joe or a Gretchen, even though they also like weren't technically married when they were on the show. Yeah. And she said like, because she was different from the other ladies, it was actually a pro for her because right. viewers were like looking at, you know, Jill's, I mean, tacky apartment, but like a big, beautiful Park Avenue apartment and Luann's gorgeous townhouse and all of these women with all of this money and family and you know, you see that kind of side of life. And then you're like, no, like this is also like a very normal woman in Manhattan, scrappy, living alone in a one bedroom, has a boyfriend. It's not clearly, they're not like, they don't have the chemistry that she's looking for. And I think that actually made people think of her as the underdog a little bit. And then obviously we see like future seasons and she brings it up in the book, the conversation with Ramona on the bridge which like I was on the Brooklyn Bridge like a couple weeks ago and like that was all I thought about I'm like not like looking (laughs) at like the beautiful architecture or the view I was like wow this is the very bridge that like fucked Bethany up that was rough yeah that was not cool of Ramona I mean a lot of the things she said probably like triggered Bethany back to like her childhood or to like what things her mom has probably said to her and I can imagine that like left left lasting damage obviously because it was horrible agreed (laughs) so from there she talks about season one she talks about how she kind of had to manage her booze on the show because she didn't want to be seen as a drunk because how could someone who makes vegan cookies also be drinking tequila she said she one thing that like was like reminded me of the pashmina moment and i promise i wouldn't say pashmina again this episode but here i am but she was saying how she like went to some reality show fashion shows launch party or premiere party which i think it was for the rachel zoe project because that was out in 2008 but she was saying she was at this like big fashion party and she wore this knockoff Hervé Leger dress. And I guess Posh Spice, <laughs> whose name is Victoria Beckham, which I wrote her name <laughs> as Posh Spice in my notes. Victoria Beckham and her were wearing the same dress. And then Us Weekly or whatever put her in a like who wore a better poll. And Bethany ended up winning. And Bethany, the little business mogul, just going for hers and 
all roads lead to Rome, she ended up buying all of the dresses of that exact style that she could find online and then sold them all on eBay and ended up making $4,000 in profit. (laughs) I mean, I I would not even think to do any of these things. So like, I I guess she is who she is and she separates herself from the pack and she goes for hers. I just... (laughs) And then we go to eight because she also owns it, which, yeah, is she the, she's it. the original owning it. Like, Lisa Rinna is shaking in her, I was gonna say boots, but I feel like she's probably just, like, dancing naked somewhere right now, shaking in her skin. In her, like, more, like, Uggs. I feel like she, like, is naked yes. in Uggs, maybe. <laughs> yeah, she's definitely, like, always outside, like, near Harry Hamlin while he's gardening, and she's just, like, in Uggs. It's very, very chic. I fucking love them. <laughs> yeah, I like, I like their relationship together, but I think, Lisa Rinna this season has been just like very annoying to me where I'm like "Mm, too spicy like you need to cool down a little bit like Mm. too much so owning it is all about copping to what you've said and what you've done this is where she talks about her mom selling her pictures to the press and then basically saying like that's what you get blah 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 for talking about me I'll say my own part in this narrative let's see and then this is when she kind of starts talking about Bethany getting married and Bethany well she talks about the question mark in the title because I guess she was obviously very scared about getting married. She didn't know if it was, she was going to go through with it. She said at one point, she was like, I didn't want to disappoint my fans by breaking up with him because what were they just going to say? Oh, wow, Bethany, you threw away the greatest man in the world. You got rid of this, the best man in the world just because you're scared. Like, damn, (laughs) you give a fuck what your fans think that badly, which I guess like breaking up with him means like, not getting the show and not getting the spinoff and yeah having those opportunities which she was talking about how after during season two knows the beginning of season three of roni everybody knew that she was getting a spinoff and it was like the um elephant in the room and none of them spoke about it which obviously was because they all were probably like wait why did the hell does she get a spinoff like what does she do that's so great where it's like well she's starting like a whole new life and granted like it would kind of make sense for her to stay on Roni because now she is a quote real housewife but they were all kind of butthurt about that but yeah she basically was saying like she told Jason at one point she was like 88% sure that she wanted to marry him and it like broke his heart (laughs) I remember that from the show lit like 88% um it's a very specific number I feel like she is like has quantified it in some way like she has like some sort of like algorithm where she is like sexual feelings this amount um financial stability this amount um family values this amount and then she got to 88% (laughs) yeah that's probably true and it was sad she said the wedding that they had was really beautiful at the four seasons and r.i.p that room no longer exists which is really sad mm-hmm. but she was saying how she like had no family at the wedding which of course like her family situation is really gnarly but it's still really sad to think like wow not a single member of your family's here yeah it was really sad oh poor girl then baby Bryn comes. She came five weeks early. She said her and Jason had both never changed a diaper before. So they both had like <laughs> truly no idea what they were doing. And how do you go 40 years in your life without once ever changing a diaper? I guess, I don't know. I, 
I believe it more for her, but I feel like he, like, I feel like he must have had, like, cousins. I feel like he just was from, like, a huge family and somebody's diaper needed to be changed at some point. You'd but think. I believe that she's, yeah, you would think, I believe that she was never in a position to change a diaper. That, like, totally tracks for me. Yeah, <laughs> true. Very, very true. And then, yeah, I'm telling you, like, once it gets to, like, eight, nine, and ten, it's like, okay, eight, nine, come together, rule number nine, come together, which is basically her saying, like, you need to cooperate and ask for help, holidays are really stressful, you need to come together, which is basically her being like, look, people, you can get together with your friends and family, and it's great. It's like, no, we all know that, like, that's very right. obvious. Right. She's like, you should learn to like try to get along with your in-laws. Like, mm-hmm. that's sort of how it works. <laughs> I won't it's nice <laughs> to be nice. <laughs> also like to people who like watch your child, like, who, right. you know, raise your, your husband. Like, I don't know. I, I obviously I'm not in a place where I'm like getting married. And so I don't know like in-law drama. And I know obviously so many people have in-law drama, but at a certain point, it's like, it's just like, this is them. Like, this is who they are. And you, I, I think just kind of have to like adjust a little bit and even be able to like check your husband and say like, Hey, like you need to stand up for me if, if they're crossing a line or whatever. But it seems like he wouldn't really budge on like his family values and his devotion to his family, which I think she might've been like, okay, like let's start our own little family. Like we don't need them. Like we have each other, we have each other. And it's like, well, no, like a, a a beautiful obviously families are different and come in all different shapes and sizes but like when the whole family comes to love your kid and love the family like that is what makes a big beautiful family like you know of course you can have three people and have a great little family but you know it's the extended family the cousins the grandparents all of those people are what make like you know a big whole family so I think she just wanted to be stuck in what she knew you know and I yeah. think I think her narrative has always been very much about struggle and overcoming adversity and being resilient and um, sort of like doing things alone and not needing others. And I don't know, there's this whole, there's a whole like theory in therapy where like, once you change your narrative and you make it more positive and you can like accept good news or like progress in your life then what, what you sort of have to remove some crutches and like, you can't talk about like the same struggles anymore. And it can't be about your grief and it can't be about your resilience because it's like, oh no, things are good now. And that's like a real thing. And people, you know, I've heard people talk about it with chronic pain too. Like if you're in pain forever and then all of a sudden you are on the brink of maybe not being in pain anymore, it's scary because then you're like, okay, who am I without being the person who is like my, my hand hurts, you know? So no, I feel like that's a little bit of where she's coming from. Um, and also, like, I just think she just, she's so independent. And uh, I don't know, but she, it, I mean, she was out of control, like watching it all unfold on the show. It really did make me sad for his family because like his shitty eventual behavior aside, like it did seem like his parents like just wanted to be able to spend time with their granddaughter. And like, I think that they put in an effort and I mean, it doesn't hurt anybody to like try to be polite not at all and also like grandparents are great like you give your like the grandparents the kids for a night and you can go have fun with your husband like you have options when you have family that you can rely on but even that like I feel like she didn't even really like want to let Bryn go because maybe she felt like oh well I don't want to abandon my daughter and it's like well no it's with family like it's different it's not you're not leaving the kid with a babysitter for four days and just say good luck like (laughs) have fun eating weird foods and try not to get traumatized by an avocado but right 
(laughs) then we there was also one moment where she was kind of talking about how Jason was getting more and more involved in the business and she said she had to actively try to not get upset when he would desire alone time because he would spend so much time with the baby when they were traveling Mm -hmm. and she would get upset that he would want to go to the gym or if his parents want to come over and she was relaxing from a busy trip or whatever or even just go golfing with his friends where it's upsetting it's like well yes he does so much for you you need to acknowledge that you need to acknowledge like there is like a a power dynamic in this relationship where like you wear the pants and the whole relationship is kind of based around like your like crazy career and and so you need to allow that person to like have breathing room and to have things that don't include you like going to the gym (laughs) going golfing like those are very like minimal things that I think people need to feel like a human being outside of their relationship outside of being a father like you need that and I, I don't think she was like well unless you're working out right in front of me like you're not doing that bro <laughs> yeah yeah it was rough yeah it was really rough <laughs> I, I think I have to rewatch watch me getting married question oh mark. my gosh it's please gonna... do and then we have to talk about it done done I'm you, you really do know I'm gonna be sending you like all the links for her on Martha Seward show that's not I can't joke. wait <laughs> I, I will be like I'm not gonna go to sleep tonight until I get that <laughs> done So then we get to rule number 10, which is celebrate, which is Uh, celebrating all the amazing things in your life, celebrating your birthday, celebrating ugly Christmas parties, celebrating Halloween, which also felt like a little bit like Arrested Development where it's like, honey, everybody celebrates those things. Like you just never have. Like, which was like, so sad. And like, I know she said like, you know, even like the fact that her birthday was her mother's birthday, like probably also has like additional drama in it where like, you know, maybe right. your mom didn't get a good gift from the dad and would freak out. And then it's like, just trickles throughout the whole family. And I can imagine it was never fun for her, but you got to celebrate the good with the bad, especially like when you're so successful and you have all these like amazing things happening in your life, you know, you need to celebrate those milestones. And she seems like someone who is con- and is constantly like, what's next? What's next? What's, what's next? What's next? Yeah. Salad dressing line, um, shapewear, um, body HSN, by Bethany. HSN, yeah. HSN, yeah. HSN. <laughs> like whatever her next thing is, or it's like, you gotta celebrate the wins as they happen or else like, what the hell is the point of all this hard work if you're not gonna like celebrate it? Yeah, for sure. Well, Allie, this brings us to the end of our A Place of Yes recap. <sighs> Thank you so much for coming on this journey. Thank you so much for having me. I'm emotionally exhausted. We laughed. We <laughs> cried. I almost did cry a couple times. It's, it's, just, it's a lot. Like it's a lot for anybody to process. And listeners, I just hope that you're doing okay after it. Because it's, it's, I understand it's a little overwhelming. <laughs> well, where can people find you, follow you, and listen to your amazing podcast? Yeah, so you can follow my podcast at SSR Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Um, you can follow me on my like personal Instagram at ahoffkosick, but I'm not nearly as active there as I am on SSR Pod, where I share me and my dog and books and podcasts and sort of all of the other things that go on in my life. Um, if you're a Facebook person, you can find the podcast on Facebook by searching the SSR Podcast, or if you want like a smaller, chattier group. Um, there's a smaller chattier group called the SSR podcast community, and we have new episodes of the podcast that drop every Tuesday, pretty much on all of your favorite podcatchers. So, um, I would love to have you listen and join the SSR community. Sweet. And I know you're a Vanderpump Rules fan and I have to break the news to you. 
Jackson and Brittany oh. are pregnant. <gasps> did you just this brand? I literally name? just got a text message. Oh with my it. God. <laughs> my phone was vibrating and I'm like, who the fuck is texting me? And it was like, oh, oh wow, I knew it. Oh my gosh, are you fucking kidding me? Ew. <gasps> I I okay, so I currently don't follow <laughs> either of them on Instagram, just sort of as like a statement, but like I might have to start following her. Oh my oh, god. It was only a matter of time. I'm I so knew. happy that we're experiencing this together. I know. <gasps> this was this is some real time finding out. Wow. wow. This is like live footage of us discovering wow. wow. I don't even know. Like, well, okay, so now we just have to wait for the bubba's because oh. then like that has he to be He cannot get it up. He cannot. He has not gotten it up since 2013. Like I really It's don't all think very interesting, that. but I cannot believe Brittany and Jax. Wow. This is this is big. Oh my god, I have such a good show to talk about on Friday. Now I'm like I have Teddy stuff. I have this pregnancy. This is wild. Yeah, I mean, you really you have a lot going on right now. I have a, a lot, lot of work to do. <laughs> I hope that you are ready to get playing your rest because <laughs> your job just got a lot more interesting and a lot harder. Wow, wow, wow. Well, I'm happy for them. I'm happy for them. Oh my God. <laughs> my friend texts me, I am without words. I'm like, I I am as well. We, we will I do think this. she'll be like a really like good mom. Like I think she really wants yeah. to be a mom. But then I think maybe they won't last. Not I don't like to make those kinds of predictions, but I do think that like she's going to be really into being a mom and he's probably not going to be able to handle it, especially if they end up having like more than one kid. And I think she's just going to end up being like a rock star mom, regardless of like his bullshit. Yeah, I feel like we're going to get a spinoff in like four years where it's like Britney's a single mom. She goes through dating trials and tribulations. Maybe she moves back to Kentucky. Like, I would like that. I would, I would like love that for her. That for her. <laughs> Me too. All right, Allie. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate you doing this hour and a half long recap. Jesus Christ. I usually cap it at an hour, but at a certain point I was like, oh my God, I'm so fucking scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. I mean, <laughs> we were just having fun. Thank you so much for having me. This was the best. Of course. This was great. All right. Have a great night. Thanks again.